Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Estella Coughlin, and you are listening to the Nest Podcast. To give a backstory, I was born in China and grew up in North Dakota. I have a huge love for podcasting, and I decided to take my three favorite things mental health, self improvement, and adoption and create what you are now listening to. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to the Nest Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And it's been a while because last Tuesday, I was not able to upload a new episode because I was, first off, very busy. I had some college stuff to do, which kept me from having the time to work on a new episode. But the second reason is I was unsure as to what the next episode should be. Like, I have a lot of ideas of episodes, but I want to just put them all in the right order. Because if I just jump every single place, it's not really like the episodes wouldn't be building upon each other. Like I'm giving you bits of information or whatever. And it, it does kind of build off each other because I'll say stuff in other episodes that I may reference or that I think is maybe common knowledge because of the previous episodes. So if you're listening to this one and haven't listened to some of the other episodes right now, you can pause it. You can go back and listen to whichever ones you haven't listened to because I mean, there may be some information that I just kind of think is knowledge, but I'm not sure because obviously I know all this, but I probably said it in other episodes. So that's where the episodes build on each other. So anyway, yeah, so it was harder for me to find which direction I was going to go with this episode because I want to also be spacing all my themes and all my topics and I don't just want to have like a bunch of episodes in a row about mental health all in a row and then it's like wait I thought we were also self-improvement and adoption podcast so I was just kind of see what direction I wanted to take it and now I have all my thoughts gathered up so I am ready to be getting this episode out and this episode is all about how I came to have a healthy relationship with my adoption story and with the fact that I am adopted and just how to navigate that and just have a healthy relationship where I just now love talking about it. Because I know, unfortunately, that's not the case for everybody. So this is just going to be kind of about how I came to be extremely fascinated and interested in my adoption and my adoption story. So that's kind of the general direction we'll go with in the adoption direction. So yeah, but before we get right into the main part of the episode, we always catch up. So one of the reasons, like I said, that I was busy is I was doing college stuff. So you may be asking, what college stuff? Well, I think most schools have this, but it was a college orientation and I got a lot of information about college and I got a really good introduction to college, if you will. The orientation was about two and a half, three days and 
you got to stay overnight in the dorms. And this orientation was mandatory, but I think it was good because you really do get that introduction to college right away, which is is very scary. But it's like, if you're too scared and you can't do this orientation, it's like, how are you going to do college? That was kind of what I was thinking because I was like, is there a way to opt out of this orientation? I really don't want to be traveling, staying overnight in the dorms with these new people and just get thrown into the big leagues, however you want to say it. But I survived. I did it. And I can live to tell another day because I'm one of those people that would find like a little wiggle hole and be like, okay, I can sneak out of that to get out of an uncomfortable situation. So yeah, at this orientation, it was mandatory, but it was a really good introduction to how college living will be like, if that makes sense. We had to stay on campus and couldn't leave campus, and we had to stay overnight in the dorms, and we got like a roommate and all that for this mini orientation, which at first, when scheduling the orientation, I will not lie, I was very nervous, and I did not want to go because, you know, it's uncomfortable. You're just getting thrown into this orientation. I I don't know. To me, it was just like, I didn't want to be in uncomfortable situations, and I didn't want to be not in a familiar place, or not in familiar situations, which... What I had to tell myself is, okay, Estella, first off, you are going to this college, right? In like two months, a month and a half, you are going to this college. Like, you're going to be living like in a new state. You are going to be educated by these educators at this college, right? And I'm like, Estella, if you cannot do a few day orientation, then how are you going to do college? So that's what I was kind of thinking. And honestly, that thinking did kind of help me. It's like, okay, you're right. Like, how am I going to get through college if I can't do an orientation and stay in the dorms? It's like two months difference. It's not going to be that big of a difference, you know? So I'm just like, come on, Sala. Everybody's doing it. You have to do an orientation before the school year where I'm going. And so I'm like, okay, Come on, Estella, if we're going to be living there, we better be able to go for an orientation for a few days. So even though most people that I've talked to, their college orientations were not stay overnight, were not even a full day. Well, mine was, so that's also what kind of scared me. It's like, why do we need to be at this orientation for like two full days? Like, what's so important? But One of the things is just like getting a chance to meet people, getting a chance to familiarize yourself with the campus, familiarizing yourself with the literal location and place you'll be living, and to really get a nice introduction to what college life will be like, especially dorm life, college life, you know. And so I really thought that was a really good introduction, but I will say it was definitely outside of my comfort zone. But I will say this, I think I really did handle it really well. And I think I made the most of it. Because the thing is, what you put into something is what you will get out of something. You need to put in effort to see results. So that's kind of the mindset I went in to this 
orientation with is okay. I'm going to make the most of my time. I'm going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be awkward. I might not like it, but what I have to do is I have to do my best to make the most of it. And if then, if I really didn't have a good time or this or that, at least I can be at peace with knowing that I really did the best that I could and that I didn't not make the most of it. And I didn't not make the most of my time, if that makes sense. So even if I had a bad time or I really didn't like it, that's fine as long as I put in effort and I really try to make the most of my time. And I will say I really did put in a lot of effort and I put in a lot to this orientation and I got so much out of it. First off, the very first thing that is uncomfortable Well, actually, there are many things. Let me just list off all of the uncomfortabilities in college. And I haven't even been in college yet, but just this orientation, I already, like, know. First off, uncomfortable being on your own. I don't know, that's just my opinion. Second off, it is uncomfortable trying to make new friends. Like, I feel like people have heard this. It's, like, harder to make friends when you're older, right? Even though college, ton of new people, ton of people that you can make friends with. It's hard. It really is. I, what I learned is you have to really put yourself out there and you have to go and really take charge. You have to go try to make friends because what does life make up? Life makes up the people you're with. So obviously you want friends. So you're going to have to just go put yourself out there. Go try to make friends, which is really great, though. It was a really good experience, learning experience. And I personally really like to talk to new people and just to talk to people. So I did enjoy that, even though it was awkward. But like I said, being uncomfortable is good because it forces you to grow and to push past what you thought were your limits. So it was good, but it is uncomfortable. Another thing that is uncomfortable personally do not really like so far so far is dorm life and I was even in a pretty good dorm but first off it's communal bathrooms I personally do not like communal bathrooms but that's the way it is but another thing that's comforting is knowing that literally every freshman in college in the history of whenever college was a thing or I don't know, whatever, is that everyone is dealing with the same things. So it's like at least everyone that I talk to that is a freshman, we can all relate on some level. It's uncomfortable, but what I keep telling myself is that you have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And because I already found it that you grow so much being pushed out of your comfort zones. You grow so much, and I know I will grow so much in college, and I know I will grow so much being outside of a place that is so familiar, which is where I've grown up, which is my home. It's it's so weird, but it is something that is so hard, yet so rewarding, if that makes sense. But now I'm like saying all this, like I've been to college. No, just in orientation. So why I got to this is the main takeaway from my whole what's been up with me is that you got to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Now I can't say that I am quite comfortable in the uncomfortable, but we're getting there. And that being outside of your comfort zone is 
good and it's not as scary as you think. And the rewards are much, much higher than the uncomfortability. So there's that takeaway. If that's all you take away from the episode, that is fine by me. But now let's get into the main part of the episode. How did I come to have a healthy relationship with my adoption? So if you guys didn't know, which I'm pretty sure everyone that's listening now knows, I'm adopted. Okay, I think that's that's pretty knowledgeable right now if you're listening to the podcast because it's all about mental health, self-improvement, and adoption. So putting that out there, I, I am adopted. And if you haven't listened to the episode named Adoption, I recommend that you go listen to that right now before you listen to this episode. Because like I said, we're kind of building upon that episode. So that's what I recommend. But if you've already listened to the adoption episode, then you're good. Okay, perfect. So now that you've listened to the adoption episode, let's get right into this. So I was first adopted at 11 months old from China. I now live in the United States. I have four other siblings, three younger brothers that were also adopted, and one older sister that is my parents' biological child. And when thinking about my adoption, and to start off, I always knew I was adopted. That's the main thing that helped me have a good relationship with my adoption, is because ever since I was young, I knew that I was adopted. And before, like I said in the adoption episode, it wasn't that I was always reminded that I was adopted. It was that I was able to know my background and where I came from. And I personally thought that was great and that was so beneficial for me. So I think that played a huge role is that I was able to know right from the start that I was adopted. And I was able to ask questions. I was able to be curious without feeling like I shouldn't be curious, if that makes sense. So that was the first step in me having a healthy relationship with just adoption. More specifically, my adoption in general is that I knew and that I was able to ask questions and I was able to be curious. And another thing that helped me have a good relationship with my adoption is that When I was young and I knew that I was adopted, my parents were good about trying to let me know about the Chinese culture. And I thought that was super cool. Like, I know there's the Chinese New Year. So we would try to get together with other Chinese people in my area that were adopted. We had like a little adoption group. We would celebrate Chinese New Year together. We would hang out. So... My parents were always good about with like those connections and I think that was super beneficial and I think that was super helpful. And yeah, so that's another thing is because I was still able to have connections and be around other people with similar stories and people that have been in a similar position and that are in a like the same position as me. So I think that helped a lot. And another thing is that just the way that adoption was being spoken around me, if if this makes sense, is it was always in a light way. And it was always viewed positively when being talked about. Now, I don't know if this makes sense. So anyway, so the people around me viewed adoption positively, right? So 
someone being young, I was able to kind of mimic or adopt their positive views on adoption, you know, and not having other feelings but curiosity, interest, love, and just appreciation for what adoption is. So hopefully that makes sense, but it was just the the people's view around adoption that were around me were very positive and were very good. So I kind of soaked that in. And so it also helped me have like a good relationship with adoption. But I think the main thing was that I have a good relationship is first off that I always knew that I was adopted and that I was able to be curious and to ask questions. So I think if we narrowed it down, it'd be those two things. So when also thinking about my adoption, I think of things that almost comfort me or bring me peace. So anyway, so first off, what I like to think of, and that's helped me have a good relationship with adoption, is first off that I think, I've probably said this before, but I think that everything happens for a reason. I mean, that's just my opinion. I think whatever happens, happens. Whatever will be, will be. And I think... Yeah, everything just happens for a reason. So I find comfort in that is like, okay, even though I was biologically born from different people, different parents than I have now, it's like, yes, you can think about alternate reality. You can think about a life with biological parents. But in the end, what gives me comfort is knowing that like, there is no alternate reality in which this happened. It's like, this is the reality. And, you know, I just find it like, this is what the universe chose. This is what is happening right now. And it's like, I don't know. I just find comfort knowing that everything just happens for a reason. Another thing is like, with my adoption, is like, why should it be something that I am ashamed of? Because first off, I did nothing wrong. My biological parents did nothing wrong. You know, maybe there were bad situations bad circumstances. You name it. What brings me like peace in knowing is that there's something so, so great, so tremendous, so much courage in more specifically my biological mother. I mean, she gave birth to me, whatever. But it's just like that strength that was there that I was given up for adoption because that takes strength is not an easy thing to do. And so just that strength that adoption stems from is incredible. I really think it is. It is so incredible that there's that much strength to wish and hope for an amazing life for your child and to hope and to give your child a better chance in life then maybe you can give them. I, I feel like that's so like humbling. And so that does give me comfort. It's like my adoption story. It started from a ginormous place of love and strength. Because like I said, it's not easy. It's not easy. There are much easier ways. But where I end up now, that's because of a selfless, hard, and uncomfortable decision that was made out of love of the child, of me. So that does give me peace. Knowing that there was that love from my biological mother. I remember my starting kind of peak and in wanting to know a lot about my adoption started about age 16, 17. And right now, for reference, I'm 18. So about a year and a half, two years ago. But like I said before, I always like knew about my adoption. I was always like interested. But where it kind of peaked 
or spurred me or interested me into starting a podcast that is one-third about adoption is because I watched this movie on Netflix called Found, and pretty much it's about three girls that were adopted from China, and it just kind of follows their story. It just kind of follows them, and it shows like twists and turns and going back to their orphanage, going back to China, all this. And it was very much relatable. You know, as someone who's adopted from China, as someone who's adopted in general, I could really relate to that. And I really enjoyed that. And it sparked um, a lot of questions within me. And that made me kind of want to find my answers for my questions. So that's kind of what initiated my search for my curiosity, if you will say. So from that, like I said in my first, either this was my first episode or my adoption episode, it was like from just being interested in wanting to know a lot more about my adoption than just the fact that I was adopted, wanting to kind of dig deeper into it. It has opened a lot of opportunities and knowledge for me that I'm like so grateful to have and so excited that I was able to find these opportunities and to meet these people. So yeah, from just starting to even go deeper into my adoption, I was able to meet a lot of people that were adopted, talk to a lot of people that were adopted, hear their stories, share my stories, relate to things that I can't really relate to with people where I live, you know? To majority of people that I know, like on a daily basis, I can't relate. So I've been able to relate in a whole different way. And I feel like that is super cool. I've been able to speak on my adoption. I've been able to inform, educate people about my adoption and my perspective. But most importantly, I've just been able to like gain knowledge and to be more comfortable in my adoption and with my adoption story and have more of my questions answered. And so some of the things that I was curious about that I kind of searched for the answer, um, and that sparked questions from this movie found. Well, first off, if you haven't seen that movie, I highly recommend it, but I will say for people that, you know, aren't adopted, um, you may not be interested in it, and you also may not really understand it, but I think, like, if you know anything or just curious about adoption, I don't know, maybe you just are looking for something to watch and you really have nothing, so you're going to turn that on. I mean, no judgment, but it's a great movie. Very, very good. But someone who hasn't been adopted or doesn't know about adoption may not really fully understand and find it interesting. But for me, I think it is a very good movie, very informative. I just really liked it to the point where it inspired me enough to start on my own Adoption self-discovery story, if you will. I, I really don't know what you call it. So, yes. So, through my kind of questions, I guess you could say more mature questions, not just like questions I had when I was little or whatever, but more deeper questions almost. And for me, my initial curiosity to be sparked and to going down to try to discover more about my adoption story, more about my background, and all this stuff. From that, I was able to have an even better relationship with my adoption because I was able to search for these answers myself. And I'm still, like, have a million questions, but it's just the fact that I'm able to just be curious and to ask has been really great and has helped with my relationship with my adoption. But 
some of the questions that I had that led me to keep researching my adoption was, first off, would it be possible to find my biological parents? Well, I'll skip past the long version of how I got to this answer and shorten it up for you. Basically, I don't know the exact odds, so do not quote me, but I know that it is very, 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 very rare for somebody from China who was adopted from China to the United States. It's very hard to find your biological parents. And like I said, I think I might have said this in a previous episode, but I'm just going to say it again. Well, because why, why is it so hard? Well, because sometimes if your biological parents, you know, can't take care of you, they just leave you wherever. Like I said, I was just dropped off at a doorstep and the rest is history, you know? And somehow I made it to the United States. Anyway, so why it's hard is because sometimes you just are left. You get dropped off somewhere and most of the time, here's just what I'm guessing, your biological parents, if they can't take care of you, they're not gonna like drop you off and write down all their contact information they're not gonna be like oh yes this is my name this is exactly like who i am let the child know like once they're older you know usually that's not the case they don't have time to be like given their whole life story no but they also probably don't want to be found they probably don't so let's get into some questions so like i said questions are anonymous go ask questions on the Instagram at the Nest Podcast with Estella. So, first question is At what age were you adopted? So, I was adopted at 11 months from China. Anyway, the next question is foster care. I don't know if this means like what's your opinion on foster care or like if I was ever in foster care, but I believe I wasn't. But I want to say that I may have been in foster care. But I'm, I'm really not sure, so I do not have a 100% answer. So I'll just say, I don't know. Leave that one open-ended. Next, how do you feel about living in an area with not many other adopted people? So I'm not really in an area with that many adopted people. I don't really know that many people that were adopted. But I think it's super cool that I'm able to share my story and to share my adoption with the people around me because like I said yeah they're not adopted they don't know like anything about adoption and they're very curious about it because they don't know anything about it so I think it's very cool that I'm able to share my story with these people that aren't adopted because they don't know anything about it and so I can share my story and they can learn about it so I think that's very cool but yeah next question do you plan on adopting in the future I think I might have answered this one in a previous episode but I guess whatever is in the cards for me I definitely would love to adopt but I think you know whatever is in the cards for me like I definitely would not be opposed to adopting and I think I would really like to adopt so yeah, I don't have it, like, set in stone. Like, yes, I for sure want to adopt. You know, I just think whatever happens, happens. Whatever is meant to be, will be. But yeah, I, I would love to adopt. I honestly really would. I think that'd be awesome. And I think I'd want to adopt from China, where, where I'm from. I feel like that'd be super cool. So, yeah, next. How do you celebrate your adoption slash adoption day? Now, that's interesting because, so, for people that don't know, when you're born, you have a birthday. You know, the day you were born, pretty much. So, for people that were adopted, we 
also, well, we have a birthday, but there's also, we have called an adoption day or a gotcha day, where it's pretty much the day you were adopted. So my adoption day, I always kind of forget this, which is kind of bad, but I do celebrate it and stuff. I believe it's March 29th. March 29th or 27th. It's like towards the end of March. But anyway, I do like when that rolls around because for me, how I celebrate it is I get to pick somewhere to go out for dinner and my family and I, we all have dinner and I get to pick. So that's great. So that's kind of how I celebrate it. But otherwise, that's pretty much it. Maybe we talk about like, oh, when my parents first saw me or whatever like that or how it was like when I was first a baby. But may I add... I was an awesome baby when I was adopted because this is what they told me. Obviously, I do not remember, but when I was adopted, right, they got me. Everyone in their adoption group got their kids, went on a bus or whatever. All the babies were crying and I just, I sat there. I didn't make a peep. I was very calm. I did not cry while all these other kids were crying and I was good. So I don't know if I should be worried or if I should be extremely proud that I didn't cry in being in the hands of of strangers pretty much but whatever anyway yeah so pretty much i celebrate it you know maybe just talking about when i was adopted and i get to go out and pick somewhere to eat so that's pretty sweet next question what are your opinions on the high expense of adoption well first off yes adoption is expensive especially from like international adoption Yes, it is very expensive. First off, the majority of the high expensive money, it goes towards legal fees. Especially adopting internationally, it's more with for the legal stuff. Lawyers, courts, you're literally, you know, having another family member join your family. I just know that the majority of the money is for legal stuff. I'm not the expert on how to adopt. I'm an expert on was like to be adopted. But yeah, I think you you always hear of people saying, oh yeah, adoption is so high, but it's so cool. You know, adoption is just so cool. I wish I could adopt, but it's just so high. Like I can't afford it. Um, Yes, it is very high, but you know, whatever happens, happens. It'll be whatever it'll be. And if if there's a will, there's a way. You make it happen. I know you can take out loans. Um, Yeah, get financial help. There are resources out there. So I don't think that should be the only determining factor because in the long run, it's like this is not just an item that you're buying. This is not just something that you're just dropping money on. This is, you know, a human. This is someone that will be part of your life forever. This is a human being. This is an investment that's beyond money. A human is priceless. So in all actuality, maybe if you're looking at the fact that a human is priceless, it's, it's cheap. I don't know. But how I look at it is, yes, it is expensive. And I'm aware that it is. But it's like, if you are really meant to adopt, you will. You'll find a way if you really feel like you're meant to adopt. You'll find a way. There will be ways. But I also think is the fact that money plays the role. It does turn people away from adoption. But I also think that then, especially because it is expensive, it makes people really think. It makes people really evaluate whether they are able to handle being parents of adopted children. Because... Not everybody is cut out for that. Certain types of people are, certain types of people aren't. But that doesn't mean 
you know, don't adopt. It's just saying that it really makes you think and look inwards. Like, am I able to adopt a child? Am I able to provide this child with X, Y, and Z? Am I really the best person to be adopting? I don't know. That's how I look at it. But I look at it as not just a price tag. I look at it as, you know, this is a human life. Yeah, I really don't know. Yes, it is high, but I think in the long run, it's a human being. It's like, you can't put a price tag on that. I, I don't know. Yeah, and I think that's pretty much all the questions I have. But yeah, so anyway, make sure to go follow the Instagram at the Nest Podcast with Estella to keep up with all the updates. Make sure to listen to all the previous episodes and stay tuned for all the upcoming episodes and everything. And go rate the podcast five stars, comment, uh, Apple Music. And yeah, I appreciate you guys for listening and I will see you later. Until next time.